turn to Acts chapter 3. We're going to be uh, looking at the whole of Acts chapter 3 today. Um, and I'm really enjoying this series. Uh, I don't know if you guys are enjoying it, but I've really enjoyed this series. And the reason why is because I'm just starting to, uh, to, to remind myself again what the church is and who the church is. What the church is and who the church is. Over the last three weeks, we've discussed some of our core values here at Generation Church. And our core values are this. They are spiritual community. Uh, They are uh, growing discipleship, um, growing and growing deeper in our faith. Uh, They are prayer. And today we're going to look at our last core value as our church, and that is what we call reach. Reach. You know, back in uh, 1987, I... uh, uh, we had a, a, a man come to our house. His name was Mark Fontaine. Mark was, uh, uh, was an uh, American missionary. He had, uh, um, he had felt the call of God on his life to go to the deepest, darkest part of the world. And it was a place called Calcutta, India. Now, back in the 80s, Calcutta was like uh, a nasty, smelly place with lots of kids on the streets who didn't have homes. Back in uh, the late 1950s, he felt God calling to Calcutta, India. Now, I've been to Calcutta, India, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But today, it's a, a much nicer place. It's a city. There's a lot of slums and different things like that. But it's a much nicer place. They've even got, like, KFC there, which is, like, great. But back in the 1950s, it was a place for us Westerners that we just thought, who would go there? But he felt God call called his life. And his heart started to break for all these children that were on the streets. There was all these children that were going hungry, that didn't have a place to live. And he went out there and visited them, and, uh, and, and, and he saw all that was going on, and his heart just broke. And he felt God call him. So he got his family, sold all his possessions here in the United States, and moved over to Calcutta, India, and he started to become a missionary and started to reach out to the people there. I remember as, a, as, a, as an eight, nine-year-old boy, as he came to our home, it was on a Wednesday night, 1987. I can't exactly remember the, 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 the month. But I remember he started to share the story with, with my dad about what happened. Now, back, at, back then, my parents were, they weren't strict, but they were strict when we had um, visitors come to the house. So when we had visitors come to the house, we all had to sit in one room and we had to listen to the visitor. We couldn't go and play with our, uh, what did I have? I didn't even have a computer back there, like, like Pong, you know. We couldn't go and do that. We couldn't watch TV. We couldn't go and play with our games or anything like that. We had to sit and listen to, to, to these uh, visitors. And we had a lot of missionaries come. And to be honest, the majority of missionaries were pretty boring to listen to. So you'd be like falling asleep. But when Mark came into our home, Something just inside of me. I remember as an eight-year-old boy, I just started thinking, wow, I cannot believe that this man would give up his whole life to go to Calcutta, India to look after these kids. And he preached at our church that night, and he showed a slideshow, and you saw the slums, and you saw all the things that those kids were going through. And something just started to happen inside of me as an eight-year-old boy. I remember thinking, this guy is either crazy or he's just so full of Jesus that he will do anything for Jesus Christ. And I remember his story just touched me. But I also remember thinking, God, 
please, please, please never ask me to do such a thing. Never ask me to go to a place called Calcutta, India. And you know, when we think of mission work, or we think of outreach, we often think of having to go to a different country, a different culture, not our own, and becoming a missionary, uh, living in a mud hut, or, or living on the streets. We often think of having to get our hands dirty, living a really uncomfortable life, never being able to eat a burger again, but eating like mushy, nasty rice or lentils. That's what we think sometimes when we think of mission work and outreach. Well, like I just said, one of our main values at Generation Church is to reach. To reach people who do not know Christ. To reach people who are down and out spiritually. To reach people who need the comforting arms of Jesus. To reach people who in all honesty are on a collision course with a lost and a dark eternity away from God. And you know, this is one of our values. And this can only be, uh, this can only be achieved by us going and telling the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, and I've, I've mentioned it many times. It says that faith comes by hearing, and that is hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. People find faith when you tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. Have you ever tried to go up to a perfect stranger and tell them about Jesus Christ? Have you, anyone ever done that, like gone on like mission work and gone up to a perfect stranger? Some of you. I know I've done it. Most of the time when I've done it, I've been met with resistance. People don't want to hear what you have to tell them. Because you're a stranger. And most likely, if you go up to a stranger and tell them the good news of Jesus, they're just going to reject it. Why? Because most people don't trust strangers. But they do trust friends. They trust people who help them. They trust people who reach out to them at the point where they're at. And they trust people who will do things for them when they're not expecting something back just because they love and they care for them. In 2006, I made a journey to Calcutta, India. Mark Buntain, the the man I talked about, a month after he was in our house, he passed away and he went to be with the Lord. That was 1987. 2006, I went to Calcutta, India. And we had been invited, Raquel had been invited to sing at the church that he had established. And on the Sunday morning, I had the incredible opportunity to stand up in, in Mark's pulpit and declare the work, word of God and, and, and preach a sermon. It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Not because I just went to Calcutta, India, and it was like, hey, I've been to India. But because I could see for myself the work that Mark Buntain had done. He'd given up everything for some street children. And now, as I walked around their campus, which was pretty big, they had a large church, they had a hospital, like a fully functioning hospital called Mercy Missions. They had multiple children's homes. They had a feeding program that you would not believe. Every day, just lining outside the church, there'd be thousands of people waiting in line to be fed because that would be their only meal for the day. And it was impressive. 
But not just that, but I saw for myself the very children that Mark had reached out to were now reaching their community for Jesus Christ. The very people that he had reached out to, those hungry street children, now he had taken them, he had cared for them, he had loved them. Now they were fully functioning disciples of Jesus Christ and they were going out and doing the same things in their community as well. And I thought to myself, this is exactly how a church should reach. Exactly how a church should reach. And it reminded me uh, of a story in Acts chapter 3. And Acts chapter 3 is all about reaching out to other people. It's not about a prayer meeting, even though I don't think it would have happened if, unless they had been in a prayer meeting. It wasn't about spiritual community and socializing together. Yet, I think if they hadn't had that spiritual community, when they reached out to people, they would have had nothing to bring those people to. It wasn't about growing deeper in their faith and discipleship. Yet, I don't think it would have ever happened if these people had not grown in their faith. And in Acts chapter 3, we see two very different types of ways that you can reach out to people. Yet, both were equally effective, and both had incredible results. And the first way uh, that we see in Acts chapter 3, and the first point that I want to give to you today, is that we can reach out to people in what I call the mercy reach. The mercy reach. When Mark Montaigne went to Calcutta, he reached out to people in what we call the mercy reach. And this is what the mercy reach is. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. Now let me first say, who has a prayer service at three o'clock in the afternoon? I don't know if any of you have ever been in a prayer service at three o'clock in the afternoon, but there's a lot of silence and there's probably a lot of snoring going on. But anyway, they went to a service, they were committed, they were like three o'clock in the afternoon, woohoo, let's go to the prayer service. As they approached the temple, a lame man from birth was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Now, So there's a lame man. He hasn't been able to walk from birth, and he's very strategic because he sits right by the gate where people go into the temple, and he's begging for food. I mean, what better way than people going to the temple to worship God, to beg? I mean, this guy was, he, he had it right down. When, Peter, when, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. So the, this lame beggar, he was sitting by this gate called Beautiful, and he's begging for money. He sees Peter and John, and he asks them for money. Now, how many of you this morning, you may have walked through the streets of Baltimore or somewhere, and somebody has asked you for some money? I mean, it happens all the time. This is exactly what happened with Peter and John. Somebody asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. So here's the first thing that they did. They actually looked at the beggar. I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of it myself. Somebody has begged and asked me for some money, and I'm just like focused, and I'm looking straight on. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. But these guys didn't. They looked at him intently. And they said, look at us. The lame man looked to them eagerly, expecting some money. He's thinking, great, I'm going to get some change. 
But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ and Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood to his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized this was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Have you ever been interrupted by somebody or something when you're on a trip to somewhere? You focus and you've got plans and you're going somewhere and then suddenly somebody or something interrupts your plans. Somebody gets, uh, gets in the way and to be honest, most of the time it probably messes up your whole day. Takes you out of sync. Well, I've discovered as, as I read Acts and I read the rest of the Bible that the kingdom of God is all about interruptions. It's all about interruptions. I remember the day that God interrupted my life. And he made himself real to me. And I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I remember the the day when, when God interrupted my life and he called me into his ministry and to be a servant of his. I remember it was a huge interruption. I remember the day that God interrupted Raquel and myself and, and we felt that God was calling us to plant this church. It was a huge interruption. And I've discovered that the kingdom of God is all about interruptions. And if you're not being interrupted, you're probably living in a bubble somewhere. Because life is about interruptions. Mark Montaigne, the guy who went to Calcutta, his life was interrupted. And he went to Calcutta. And this day, Peter and John were interrupted. So let's set the scene. So they were on the way to the temple to pray. It was the middle of the day. They were not planning on doing a church outreach. They were not planning on doing a church event. But yet, in the midst of their day, an outreach event happened. You see, they they saw a man who had been lame from birth. He was begging for money. Now think about this for a moment. Peter and John, the Bible says that, that this lame beggar was there every day begging for money. Peter and John had probably gone into this temple every single day. They probably passed this man every single day. They probably blanked him out. They probably had the blinders on because they were going to go to pray. But yet this day was different. This day, they actually noticed the lame beggar. Now what was different? There was still Peter and John, the fishermen from Galilee. There were still the disciples of Jesus. But yet something happened between their last time at the temple and this time at the temple. And this is what happened. The Holy Spirit got hold of their lives and they became so full of Jesus that their lives now were fully interrupted and they were seeing needs everywhere. And so these men, they probably passed this man every day and this day, They saw him. They were so full of Jesus that for the first time they realized that they were the actual hands and feet of Jesus extended. 
And this man, he now wasn't an inconvenience or just a lame beggar. They now saw a man who was in need. Notice what they say. And I love what they say. Peter and John look at him. And Peter said, sir, silver and gold we don't have. Look at our wallets. They're empty. What you want, we do not have. But instead, we will give you what we have. And then they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This is outreach at its finest. These men didn't have what this man wanted, but they did have what this man needed. They didn't have what he wanted, but they had what he needed. And what he needed was Jesus. I ask you today, how many opportunities have you missed maybe this week or over the last few weeks to reach out to somebody because you did not have what they wanted? You didn't have what they wanted. Maybe it was going by the the beggar in in Baltimore City and you didn't have any spare change on you. Maybe it was was somebody who maybe, I don't know, had a flat tire and and you just didn't have the time to stop. Or or you didn't have a a, a kit to repair that flat tire. Maybe you you, you saw someone who who they they, they needed some medical advice or or they they, they needed a, a surgery or something. You did not have what they wanted. And so you kind of just pass them by the wayside. You know, the reality is this, that most people who do not know Jesus do not really know what they need. Let me give you an an example. In John chapter 4, John chapter 4, there's a story of a woman who is at a well. And uh, this woman, she is kind of an outcast in her community. And she, in the middle of the day, she goes to get some water from the town well, because that's where you get water. They didn't have faucets or anything like that at the time. And Jesus comes up to her in the middle of the day. He breaks a bunch of Jewish laws by doing it. And this woman is thirsty. This woman went to the well because what she wants is water. Now listen to what Jesus said. John chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus replied, if you you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? She's thinking about what she wants. She wants water. And besides, who do you think you are? Do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us his well? How can you offer better water than he did and his sons and the animals that they enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh and bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus went to this well. This woman wanted water. But Jesus knew that she didn't need water. She needed living water, which was the life of Jesus. And, and, and notice here that, 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 that Jesus says that if you have just water, then you are going to thirst again. But if you have my living water, you will never thirst again. 
And so often when you meet people who have needs, they have needs and they are reaching out and, and they want to, somebody to help them with those needs. But the reality is, if you just keep giving people what they want, they'll be thirsty again. And they'll want again. But when you give people what they need, they'll never be thirsty again. And what they need is Jesus Christ. Do you know this morning that you have what most people need? You may not have monies. You may not have resources. You may not have the speciality of a doctor or a counselor. But you do have what they need. And that is the words of Jesus Christ. And the reality is, is that is mercy outreach at its finest, is when you give people what they need not what they want. When you give them what they need, not what they want. And sometimes it means that you have to look intently at people and look past at what you see and see the real deal, what's behind them. Peter and John gave this lame man what he needed. You know, if they had just given him a coin, the next day he would have been begging again. But the reality is they gave him what he needed. And what he needed was a pair of legs. And that worked. And he stood up and he never had to beg Again, and when you give people what they need, which is Jesus Christ, they never have to beg or thirst again. So that's the mercy reach. The second way is, is, is called the relationship reach. The relationship reach. And I'll, I'll be quick this morning in, in reading this. But in Acts chapter 3 and verse 12, it says this. It says, basically all the people gathered around because they saw that this man had been healed. And Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as those we made this man walk by our own power and godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus who you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Then he says this, friends. These weren't strangers. They were friends. They were probably people that Peter and John knew. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had done before about the Messiah. That he must suffer about these things. Now repent for your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you, Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things as God has promised long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. 
Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is coming today. You and your children, for those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all your families on the earth will be blessed. When when God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you or each of your backs from your sinful ways. You know, what was it, the old sitcom, there's different strokes for different folks. And when it comes to reaching out to people, there are different ways to reach out to different people. While the lame man, he needed mercy, compassion, and in healing. The people around him didn't need the same. In fact, the people around him, instead of, uh, instead of them receiving mercy and compassion, they needed to hear the truth. You know, Peter took this opportunity to explain to the people who were at the temple the truth of Jesus. Now, what, I wonder what would happen if, if Peter and John, instead of healing the lame man, they just sat down and they started to talk to him about Jesus. I'm sure the lame man would have just ignored them totally. Because all he could think about was his needs. But yet the people around him, they needed to hear. Because their ears were open to what they would tell them. You know, the people around Peter and John, they could only be reached on an intellectual level. You know, these people, they were probably neighbors and friends of uh, of Peter and John. I mean, Peter even addressed them and he says, friends. They were probably the people that they would meet at the temple every week. They were probably the people who would buy fish from them when they went fishing. They were probably the people that they would see in the marketplace or see at work. They were the people that they would be playing or their kids would play with their kids. They were their neighbors. They were their friends. And they had just watched how Peter and John had done the unthinkable, the unimaginable, and they wanted to know how. And you know, when it comes to your friends and your families and your colleagues and the people that you know on a personal level, there will be a day that will come when you will do something that will shock them. Maybe you will forgive somebody who nobody thought could be forgiven. Maybe you will give to somebody who's in need, but yet they know that you have very little to give to them. Maybe it's showing compassion to somebody that everybody else just overlooked. Or maybe, like Peter and John, maybe you just might one day just, hey, let's perform a miracle and give a lame man who was lame from birth some legs to walk. There's going to be a day that will shock your friends and your families who do not know Jesus. And when that day comes, I tell you the way that you reach them, it's time to tell them about Jesus. You know, I've often said that as a church, we're not a charity. You know, the the government of the United States, both the Maryland government and the federal government, they consider us a non-profit. But the reality is, is we're not a non-profit. Yeah, we don't make a profit, but we're really not a charity or a profit. You know that we're a church. And because we're a church, 
we're what we call a body. That means we move and we work together. Not individually, but we come together. Another word that we could use is we are a family. And this morning, if, if, if you've never had a good family or you have very little family, this morning, this church, we're a family. You're part of this family. And part of being a part of this family or this church or this body is that we value reaching out to those in need. While to some our reaching out may look charitable, the reality is not. The reality is there is a purpose of why we reach out. There is a message in when we reach out that we need to give. There is a reason why we reach out. So, so whether, like this week, we go and, and, and help some kids with some crafts and some games at the Boys and Girls Club, or whether we give coats or backpacks to kids, whether we help a, a single mother find a home and, and move a home, whether we give food to the homeless or, or we give out the coat of our back to, to someone who is cold, whether we clean out the basement of a homeless shelter that we did a few months ago, or we pick up trash around a dirty, stinky old lake, whether we give Thanksgiving baskets with food and, and gifts for people who have nothing this Thanksgiving. Whether we give flowers away at a gas station to, to, uh, for Mother's Day, for mothers uh, on Mother's Day. Or whether it's just that we put our arms around our friends and our families and those who are in need. It's all for a reason. It's all for a reason. And this is the reason. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, and verse 13, you, and he means us this morning, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You, and he means us this morning, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it on a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, now listen to this, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. So, that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That man, Mark Vontaine, he went to Calcutta, India, and he reached out to some street kids. He didn't do it just because he wanted to be charitable. He did it because he didn't see what they wanted, but he saw what they needed. And they needed Jesus Christ. And Jesus here in Matthew chapter 5 says, let your light shine. Did you know that your life is a light? It's a light in this dark world. And what good is this light if it's hidden away? Jesus says, what good is light in a lamp if you're going to hide it under a basket? And your life is a light and it's not to be hidden away in just some church somewhere. It's to be lit and shone so that people can see. 
Peter and John that day at the temple. They let the light of God shine in them so brightly that everybody could see. They didn't let a lack of resources or a lack of understanding stop them. They shone. They let their light shine. You know, every month at Generation Church, we do an outreach. Some are small, some are bigger. And this week, we're going to be doing an outreach. And the reason that we do this every month is this. It's because we want to help you understand and grow in yourself that part of being a part of this family, part of being on this journey of faith, part of being a believer of Jesus Christ, is to let your light shine. To let your light shine. It's so that we start to realize that we have a message to give, and that message starts often with pouring a cup of cold water and giving it to someone who is thirsty. It starts with looking at a lame beggar and seeing past what he wants and seeing what he needs. It starts with seeing a need, helping to meet that need, and seeing what people really need. You know, my prayer and hope for this church is that One day, we won't have these organized monthly outreaches. We may have one or two a a year. But my hope is that every day, Sunday through to Sunday, which includes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day that people from Generation Church are going out and shining their light and they are reaching. Reaching out in the name of Jesus. Reaching out to those in need. Reaching out to those who need a cup of cold water because they are thirsty. Reaching out to those who who are cold and giving your coat off your back. Reaching out to those people who are lame and begging. Reaching out to those who just need to be reached on an intellectual level. Reaching out to those people who are lost in darkness. And letting our light shine. And so we'll continue to do our monthly outreaches because I don't think it's part of our DNA yet as a church. But we'll get there eventually. But it's all part of letting our light shine. You know, when I was a a child, I I didn't really like kids' church. Like, our kids have a lot of fun over there. I really didn't like it. But I always remember one song. We used to sing like these songs. Some were good. Some of them were bad. But one song I always remember... And as I was doing this message, I kind of started singing it to myself. And I'm not going to sing it for you this morning, I promise you. But the song went like this. It said, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And the verse says, on Monday, he gave me the gift of love. On Tuesday, peace came down from above. On Wednesday, he told me to have more faith. On Thursday, he gave me a little more grace. On Friday, he told me to watch and pray. Then on Saturday, he told me what to say. Then on Sunday, he gave me the power divine to let my little light shine. How are you letting your light shine in your life? 
It may not be like Peter and John performing an incredible miracle. That will just blow people's minds. It could be the smallest thing of just opening the door for somebody, saying hello to somebody, telling someone that you love them and that you're praying for them. Those small little things make a difference. Watch this.